There are two narratives about the location of Osama bin Laden. The one that you're most familiar with is that UBL is hiding in a cave in the tribal areas, that he's surrounded by a large contingent of loyal fighters. But that narrative is pre-9-11 understanding of UBL. The second narrative is that he's living in a city. Living in a city with multiple points of egress and entry, access to communications, so that he can keep in touch with the organization. You can't run a global network of interconnected cells from a cave. We've located an individual we believe, based on detainee reporting, is bin Laden's courier. He's living in a house in Abbottabad, Pakistan, and we assess that one of the other occupants of the house is UBL. Uh, so, UBL, you got, you got an intel source on the ground? No. No? Okay, so how do you know it's bin Laden? Because the truth is, we've been on this op before. It was 07, and it wasn't Bin Laden, and we lost a couple of guys. Totally understand. Bin Laden uses a courier to interact with the outside world. By locating the courier, we've located Bin Laden. That's really the intel. That's it. Quite frankly, I didn't even want to use you guys. With your dip and your Velcro and all your gear bolt, I wanted to drop a bomb. But people didn't believe in this lead enough to drop a bomb. So they're using you guys as canaries in the theory that if Bin Laden isn't there, you can sneak away and no one will be the wiser. Hmm. But Bin Laden is there, and you're going to kill him for me. Hi, everybody. This is Ed Hoffman, and welcome to the main event. Yeah, we started out with uh, that little scene from uh, a movie called Zero Dark Thirty. Uh, later in this broadcast, we're we'll going to be talking about a, uh, our new uh, CIA director uh, nominee, a lady named uh, Haslip, Gina Haslip, um, who apparently has a uh, has a similar background to that of uh, the girl who we know as Maya in the Zero Dark Thirty. And you know what? If you want, if you want to have uh, somebody who uh, is going to run the CIA, you want to have someone who who has some clear understanding of what's going on in this world. And I think uh, we're gonna when we talk about Gina Haslip, I think uh, you're gonna see where the what led me to use that clip to open today's uh, um, show, and also that song "Run with the Pack" from Bad Company. Oh, I use that one just because I like it. So anyway. Everything's good. As long as it's my show, I get to pick the music and the clips. So uh, it is my world, and welcome to it. Oh, wait, that's uh, that's uh, somebody else's. That's Waters, uh, Waters Line. So, hey, everyone's entitled to their opinion, and I think you're all entitled to mine as well. So, anyway, so uh, we're going to talk about everything that's going on this week, and there's a lot going on. But before we do, let me introduce myself. My name is Ed Hoffman, president of Wholesale Capital Corporation, your local direct mortgage lender, located here in Southern California, offices all over the place. If you're interested in getting involved in any of the fantastic opportunities that are real estate, and there are still fantastic opportunities if you're looking, uh, call me toll-free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. One last time, day or night, toll-free, area code 855-640-2020. If you want to talk, if you want to get in touch with me, but you don't want to talk on the phone for one reason or another, go to WCCLoans.com. That's www.com. WCC Wholesale Capital Corporation WCC Loans L O A N S dot com, and uh, you'll find all kinds of mortgage information there, and uh, so you can surf around there, 
look at articles, do all that stuff. And then when you're ready to go, hey, I want to get some information, click on the Loan Center, click on Apply Now, put as much information as you want. Tell us how much information you want back. You'll hear from myself or one of my talented teammates, and we will help you find the missing pieces to your real estate financing puzzle. And uh, if you want, if you hear something that you want uh, repeated, you can hear the uh, the show repeat on edhoffman.net, E-D-H-O-F-F-M-A-N.net. Click on the podcast page. You'll hear, uh, you'll, there you can uh, listen to the podcast on uh, this show and several past shows. You can also get podcasts on uh, SoundCloud or iTunes. iTunes, you can uh, actually go on and subscribe for free, have it automatically download once a week to your uh your phone or your computer, your whatever device you listen to on podcast. Uh, follow me on on uh, social media at Ed Hoffman is uh, my Twitter uh, address or my Twitter whatever you call it. My my uh, hey, what's your handle there, good buddy? Hey, I guess my Twitter handle is at Ed Hoffman. I got it first, so there's not. It's just short and to the point. Uh, I signed up years and years ago and tweeted about twice and then got involved again a couple years ago and actually actually tweet now so uh also uh uh find the uh, like the show on facebook facebook.com slash the main event at hoffman and if uh and last but not least if you want to leave some comments on the show my listener hotline is 855-640-2092 and if time permits i may uh, play a couple of uh, messages that you guys have left or uh, one or two and we'll see what uh time permits so uh with me in the studio before we go further is my buddy scott mcafee Owner of Don's Bikes in uh, Rialto and Redlands, one of the top 100 bike shops, and uh, number two political commentator in the country, uh, right behind me. And uh, welcome, uh, welcome to the uh, main event once again, Scotty. Ed, as always, it's great to be back in the house. All right, so uh, lots of stuff going on this week. Yep. Let's uh, let's start with the big shakeups in uh, Trump's cabinet. After months of speculation, he and Trump have not seen eye-to-eye on many key issues, including Iran, nuclear deal, the new tariffs on steel and aluminum, and Trump's interest in meeting with the North Korean. Uh, his interest, let's say, his uh, his uh, agreement to uh, to meet with the North Korean dictator Kim Jong-un, Secretary of State Rex Tillerson, has asked to step, was asked to step aside. Um, now some of, the, now some of the, the same Democrats who are horrified by Tillerson in the beginning because he does business in Russia and Putin gave him the Russian Medal of Friendship Award, are acting sad to see him go. Here's Democrat Ben Cardin. Secretary Tillerson and I disagreed on many issues, but I respect his professionalism. The president will make the ultimate decisions. That's his responsibility. But he needs to have the advice of experts from the State Department. And Mr. Tillerson was representing the professionals in the field to let the president know the consequences of his actions. It would be irresponsible for the president to act without getting that independent advice. Mr. Tillerson's credibility was clear, and the president didn't want that. Well, you know, and I don't think uh, he was acting without listening to Tillerson's advice. I just think that Tillerson and him were off on a few, few, uh, on a few places philosophically. Well, yeah, and and of course, um, you know, he's saying, well, how do we? And by the way, how do we know that Trump didn't get advice from experts? I'm sure he did. I think the point of that is that there isn't anything Trump can do that's that's good, right? As, as he can't a, do anything right in these guys' opinions. Exactly, and as a, as the president of a of a company, I know that. Before I make any big decisions, I run and buy a few few people that that I know and trust. Don't you? 
Oh yeah, no, absolutely. And, and with any business, obviously there is a certain amount of turnover. There's people that you hire that you have certain expectations. And when those expectations aren't met, then you let them go. Right. Exactly. And hopefully, hopefully you're quick and decisive. I've been known to have a little bit more heart and then sometimes I should, and sometimes it pays off and someone I don't think it was going to work out at first turns around and sometimes I shoot myself in the foot and say, man, I wish I would have got rid of that person sooner. So um, I think uh, Trump is more of a more of a quick, decisive kind of guy. And uh, here's President Trump's uh, comments before uh, boarding Marine One, including some remarks he wants uh, why he wants to replace Tillerson with CIA, CIA Director Mike Pompeo. Rex and I have been talking about this for a long time. Uh, we we got along actually quite well, but we disagreed on things. When you look at uh, the Iran deal. I think it's terrible. I guess he felt it was okay. I wanted to either break it or do something, and he felt a little bit differently. So we were not really thinking the same. With Mike, Mike Pompeo, we have a, a very similar thought process. I think it's going to go very well. I think, um, I think as Trump gets into office, or get in, gets in further and further engulfed in these, uh, or uh, immersed in these in these issues. I think he's finding his gut feelings are are probably you know some people are saying. I remember my sister saying, "Well, we we got a new president with no uh, foreign foreign uh, relation experience, no uh, international experience." Well, I don't know that that's true. And uh, look at the one, look at what we just got rid of, and look at what uh, uh, what our alternative was with Hillary. And uh, you know, I don't I don't really think you need to have so much political experience to know what common sense is, what makes sense in the world when you're representing America, you're not representing the world. Well, yeah, and it's funny, too, because I know some of my Democrat friends, they'll like always call me, boy, it sure seems like there's a lot of turnover in the Trump administration. And and part of that, I think, is just getting comfortable with a certain amount of chaos. When you're going to go into Washington, D.C. and completely change the way the government operates, I can imagine that's going to incorporate a certain amount of chaos and, and turnover. So once again, I mean, you may you may put people in certain positions, find out they're not right. Well, it's 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 better to get rid of them than to keep them on if they're just not effective or doing the way things doing things the way you want them to. Exactly. Exactly. And I'll, I'll tell you, um, clear thinking is, is real important here. And, uh, and I'll tell you that, um, my wife, Don and I were at the Victoria club on Tuesday night for taco Tuesday and we're members, but we don't hardly ever go it because we've got so much else st- stuff going. It's hard to, hard to just take, take the time to just go over there and socialize and eat and do all that stuff. We don't go out that, that much until the weekend. So, um, but we were there, and one of our good friends that we've known for 20 years, staunch Republican uh, couple, and uh, and the wife, I don't remember how it came up, because she just came over to say hi, and we're talking about stuff, and she goes, Trump is a, Trump is a scumbag, and I'm going, you think so? I go, well, who do you think else could could have gotten everything done that he's doing? She goes, oh, what he's doing. She goes, well, you know, I said, who who could have been who could have accomplished as much as he has? And she goes, well, we had John Kasich there, and I said, John Kasich, he's a Democrat. She goes, no, he's not. I said, yeah, he wanted to. Uh, I remember if we remember in the in the debates, he goes, he wanted to. He wanted. I said, he wanted to put uh, efforts towards towards rehabilitating rehabilitating people in jail to make sure that they had a second chance. And my comment was, was, Hey, you know what? Why not focus on people that aren't in jail first? Why don't we focus before we focus on taking care of illegal aliens? Why don't we take care of Americans first? Why don't we start 
fixing this country for Americans who obey the law, who pay their taxes, who pay their bills. Let's take care of those people first instead of worrying about the people that lied on their mortgage applications and lost their houses and people that came over the border illegally and people that got arrested for being felons. Let's focus on taking care of law-abiding citizens first. And uh, she goes, well, you know, John McCain, what do you think about John McCain? I say, I voted for John McCain when he ran. But, you know, since since then, I haven't, you know, I've learned some stuff about John McCain that I don't think were that flattering. You know, you know, he about how he treated his wife. And uh, when he when he got back from Vietnam, apparently uh, his wife was a beauty queen. And when he got back and his wife and his daughter were there. Uh, and apparently while he was gone, she got in a car accident, had some some uh, some scars from the accident, had gained some weight. And he basically just dumped her. And from what I hear, his his new wife, that he doesn't treat her very well. And she goes, oh, well, you you read things that you read things that people don't like him. Have you read his books? I said, and I said, you know what? I don't need to read his books. I said, let me tell you why. What I'm, what shapes my opinion of John McCain? For eight years, we heard, we heard, uh, uh, abolish, you know, uh, get rid of a uh, retract, re- repeal Obamacare, repeal Obamacare, repeal Obamacare. We're going to do this. Then we got control of the Senate, the White House, and the House, and we were in the in the in the process of repealing and replacing. So they have the repeal and replace. Didn't quite pass. Repeal and replace, and it was all an argument over what the replacement was. So finally they put up, let's just have a clean repeal. And McCain was the deciding fact, deciding vote that we weren't going to repeal it. What kind of, what kind of, what does that say about McCain's character? I don't need to know. I don't need to read his books. I don't need to know what he did in Vietnam. I don't, that there tells me the character of John McCain. And I don't really need, and I, and I don't care what Trump says. And I don't care about this. And I don't care what Trump did when he was 20 or 10 years before he did this stuff. We elected a guy to do a job. I didn't elect him to come over and date my daughter. I didn't elect him to, to we didn't elect him to do any of that stuff. Who's the man in office? And I don't care what, what uh, McCain did in his 20s. Six months ago, he voted against repealing Obamacare after eight years of telling us what we're going to do. I can think for myself. I don't need someone to tell me who's a good man and who's not. And what I see in, in Donald Trump and what he's doing, I back up. So, you know, I'm, it's, I kind of got off our script, but it just threw me, for, for a, threw, threw me a little bit when I had this conversation. I go, where is that coming from? I was going to say, this lady's a Republican. She's a Republican. I have no idea what she's talking about. Does she not like the things that are going on? I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't get it. I think they're a military family, and she can't get past the fact that that Trump insulted McCain. Hey, you know what? We all say stuff in the heat of battle that we don't mean or that is inappropriate. And well, I do anyway, but <laughs> I, I hadn't noticed. I hadn't noticed. So. <laughs> so, you know, that stuff, that stuff happens, but you know what? Think about how, what a ugly, mean, nasty cesspool Washington DC is. I would have gone in there and just said, screw this. I'm out of here. And Trump is fighting it, and he's 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 not being deterred by that. And I think I don't know I don't know that any of those other candidates would have would have done it. No, I agree. I don't think any of them could have been as effective. And we did again. We supported other people in the primaries, but anyways, we're obviously so, digressing. Exactly. So let's <laughs> so so we were just talking about how how uh, Trump's uh, replacing people. But let's talk yeah. about what people are more talking about now, and what I what we started out the show with is uh, not the Senate confirmation that Mike Pompeo has to go through, 
But his replacement as head of the CIA is the first female uh, to head the CIA is Gina Haspel. Gina Haspel um, is a career intelligence official. Here's her, here's her resume. Here's her resume. She joined the CIA in 1985. Chief, chief, station, chief of the station in Central Europe, Turkey, and Central Asia. Deputy Director of National Clandestine Service. If you don't know what clandestine service, that means undercover, secret stuff. Okay? Deputy Director of National Clandestine Service for Foreign Intelligence and Covert Action. That means secret stuff and stuff that is uh, under the radar. Okay? So she's she's a top high security person. Chief of Staff for the Director of National Clandestine Service. In 2017, promoted to Deputy Director of the CIA by President Trump. But it's what she did in 2002 under George W. Bush that has liberals crying about Haspel's, Haspel's appointment. During that important period after 9-11, Haspel was assigned to oversee a secret CIA prison in Thailand codenamed Cat's Eye. That house, house suspected al-Qaeda terrorists, including Abu Zabuda. Zabud, Zabuda. That guy. Oh, that, that guy. guy. That guy, Abu Zabuda. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can see his isn't, face. Isn't that a song from uh, Tarzan? Sorry, Ed. Sorry. Sorry. So apparently this Abu Zabuda is Osama bin Laden's senior lieutenant. It's It has been confirmed that she was present at waterboarding of Zabuda and other high-ranking bin Laden associates and helped to destroy evidence helped to destroy evidence of the program afterwards. So naturally, weak-kneed liberals don't want her leading the CIA. And uh, you can see where the where the uh, where the parallel is to the early part of the movie Zero Dark 30 and the waterboarding and uh, Maya being in there on that kind of stuff. And of course, I thought about when he said, "Hey, she was uh she helped to destroy evidence of the program afterwards." I remember in Zero Dark Thirty when they landed that that Black Hawk that kind of crash landed in uh, in Bin Laden's compound, and before they left, knowing that they couldn't take it off and bring it back, they're leaving a, a Black Hawk there. They stuck the things in the dashboard of the of the uh, Black Hawk that exploded to make sure it destroyed all the all uh, any kind of intelligence that was in the computers of the of the uh, Black Hawk, so that the enemy couldn't get it. So so uh, anyway, here's here's Hillary's loser. Loser running mate, uh, Tim Kaine. The combination of her track record with the torture program, but then her apparent involvement in destroying records and tapes about that program, I think that this really sends a bad signal to put somebody like that as the head of the CIA. Did he say records and tapes? Yeah, I, th- I think CDs and, um, you know, uh, 8-track tapes, I believe. Yeah, he was, uh, it sounded like... Uh, Some 45s were in like, there. Yeah, they, they blew up, uh, it's like they were, you know, they were when they were closing down Licorice Pizza in the warehouse. <laughs> they were, hey, she she destroyed records and tapes. Sticks. Well, heck, hang on. Bad though. company. I, I, yeah, exactly. Queen. Um, I thought that uh, the Democrats wanted women to advance up, up ladders, you know, of opportunities. No, they only want they only want that when they want to insult somebody oh. for any reason. They don't they don't want to recognize that that uh, that uh, Trump promotes African-American people, women, minorities. He doesn't he's 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 colorblind to everything that's going that to, to. Hey, you've got if you're a good person and you're and you have potential. He gives you opportunities, and apparently nobody wants to recognize that. Mm. So here's some of the questions the New York Times wants the Senate Confirmation Committee to ask Haspel. Um, Number one, do you acknowledge that that the torture program was a mistake? Do you regret your own participation in it? The answer is no. 
No. Do you regret destroying evidence of the torture you participated in? That's like saying, do you regret beating your wife? And what kind of stupid loaded question is that? Exactly. I thought of another one, but can't say it. All right. Uh, I told you earlier. Uh, if, you if you assert that what you supervised, was an, supervised wasn't actually torture, can you provide a definition of torture that wouldn't apply to things such as waterboarding and stress positions? You know, I'm against waterboarding, but I am in favor of hooking up battery cables to their ears. Or other, uh, or genitals. Yep. Um, yeah, I'm, you know what? That too. Hey, you know how, we, you know how we uh, found Bin Laden? We, uh, we waterboarded some people. You know how we found, uh, how we've been stopping all the, uh, all the uh, other terrorist attack? Uh, we, we had, we had uh, human intelligence and we did what we had to do to get information to protect our country. Well, America first. And all this talk about waterboarding me so bad. I used to take the kids to Silverwood Lake and go waterboarding every weekend. <laughs> I think that's I think that's called uh uh I think that's called uh what's it called? That's <laughs> called uh wakeboarding. 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 Oh, okay. I got it. They would confused. normally call them waterboarding except for Sorry. Uh, except for that would be considered torture and then people wouldn't want their kids <laughs> to try it. Uh let's see here. During the campaign, Trump wanted to revive the torture program and make it even more brutal, suggesting that he'd bring back a hell of a lot worse than waterboarding. Do you believe we should bring back torture? Uh, yeah, this is these questions are just kill me. Trump also advocated killing families of suspected terrorists as means of intimidating them. If he ordered you to do so, would you follow that order? If you believe, hey, would say, hey, if uh, if the crowd was was jumping off a cliff, would you follow the crowd? <laughs> if you believe that torture was legal and morally defensible, why aren't we using it now? Shouldn't it be permanent fixture of U.S. policy? I agree, it should be. If it if at some point in the future the president orders you to create and manage a new torture program, will you do so? What would it take for you to refuse and establish a torture program? What kind of order would you judge to be beyond the pale? Ah, I think this is moronish. I would take terrorists and watch them uh, sit them in a room and force them to watch clips of a Hillary Clinton speech. Or yeah, or just uh, put a uh, put Patrick Swayze in there singing, uh, "I'm Henry VIII, I am Henry VIII, I am, I am." Second verse, same as the first. Oh, man, right they thought just all night. <clears throat> oh, yeah. Patrick says he's not here anymore. But we could get some recordings out. So, uh, in the, and while we're talking about cabinet uh, shakeup, what's going on today while we're recording, not tomorrow, which is Saturday, which is when you're listening to us, um, is the, uh, the Andrew McCabe director, deputy director of the FBI incident that uh, apparently he's been involved in all this uh you know, the question is, he's retiring as of the end of Business Friday. And the question is, will, uh, after we know that he's been lying, covering stuff up and been dishonest, uh, are we going to let him retire and keep his pension? Or will Jeff Sessions grow a couple and uh, actually fire him, force him to, to miss his pension? And my opinion on that is, my opinion on that is, he's part of the, uh, part of the, uh, the, uh, misleading the FISA court to issue a warrant for them to uh, bug Trump Tower to go after Mike Flynn and and uh, Carter Page and everybody else. And that was how they obtained information that led Mike Flynn to be uh, had charges pressed against him. And Mike Flynn, general general in the military, had a had a, a had a very uh, uh, distinguished career. And now he's broke, lost his house, did all that stuff. And Andrew McCabe was part of that, and I just don't. Uh, I you know what? I don't I have no mercy. I have no mercy. I hope that I hope uh, 
sessions fires in before the end of the day on Friday, which was yesterday when you're listening. Yeah, I hope they do. I mean, basically, McCabe is just kind of an Obama leftover holdout, one more of these people that needs to go away. And he'll still get some of his pension, but I guess he won't get as much of it if he's fired as opposed to just voluntarily retiring. Uh, but, you know, look, there's all kinds of conflicts of interest here. It's no surprise he doesn't like Trump. The guy needs to go and I hope they fire him. Yep. And, uh, you know, as my as my wife, uh, my wife pointed out, uh, Lady Liberty lifted her li- lifted her scarf over her eyes where that were. Uh, where our justice system is supposed to be, or the l- lady justice, they were supposed to be blind to to gender and and uh, uh, religion and all all the things that don't matter. If you break the law, you break the law. But apparently, if you're uh, if you're involved in in stuff that you shouldn't be, and it's Democrat, we close our eyes to it and let them get away with it. But if it happens to do with Republicans, we we uh, we prosecute to the full extent of the law, and it's just it's just not fair. I hope I hope our attorney general has the stones to do what is fair to Andrew McCabe. Anyway, we're out of time for part one of the main event. Stay tuned for five minutes of uh, weather, traffic, commercial, sports, and whatever else uh, the, uh, the radio station wants to play, and we'll be right back with part two. Don't go away. back to part two of the main event. My name's Ed Hoffman, president of Wholesale Capital Corporation, your local direct mortgage lender. The lender that has a radio show that doesn't talk much about financing or real estate. But if uh, you want to talk financing or real estate, if you need to refinance your house, if you need to buy a new house, if you need to do one of them reverse mortgage things, and you go, I don't know what that reverse mortgage thing's about. It sounds too good to be true. I'm going to call my buddy Ed and uh, ask him what the real scoop is on it because I think he'll deal with me straight. Uh, 855-640-2020. 855-640-2020. Um, if you didn't listen to part part one of the main event this week, I've got in, with, in the studio with me, as often I do, uh, my buddy Scott McPhee, uh, owner of Don's Bikes. Uh, shall we get ready to go on to uh, our all the, all the subjects we didn't get through on part one? Let's do it, Ed. Let's do it. Okay, so we've been talking about... We've been talking about the uh, the of the the changes in the White House and in the government this week, and the next one we're going to talk about is uh, Larry Kudlow. Let's talk about one more new appointment to the administration: economist, finance author, and CNBC. Hard to imagine that we got somebody who with a brain from CNBC. You must be the only one. Uh, Larry Kudlow. Kudlow was chosen by Trump to replace Gary Cohn who uh, left his position last week as the White House Economic Council uh, top economic advisor. Here's some of Kudlow's positions um, that I know that we've discussed, but Kudlow opposes estate taxes, which is basically paying taxes on stuff that already been taxed on, and taxes on dividends and capital gains. I'm, I'm down with that. Otherwise known as the death tax, by the way. Yep, I'm good with that too. He believes employees should make greater contributions to their pension and medical costs, suggesting that these expenses are undue burden on businesses. Oh, yeah, I'm down with that. I agree with that too, and probably mostly because of Obamacare imposed some some expenses that not all businesses can afford to do, and uh, quite frankly, I don't believe the government should be forcing them. He opposes most forms of government regulation. Can't argue with that one. Nor can I. In general, he describes himself as a supply-side economist, arguing that reducing tax rates will encourage economic growth and ultimately increase tax revenue. 
Makes sense. Kind of Reaganomics. I agree. He has often argued that economic growth will clear deficits while acknowledging limits of growth. Agree with that, except that I think you need to add some cuts in there if you really want to reduce deficits. Um, oh, yeah, exactly. I agree with that. He's also advocated wide ownership of stocks and frequently speaks of broad investor class that includes most Americans. Okay. Um, which basically means, that, hey, we're all involved in the stock market because everybody's uh, 401ks are, or most people's are, uh, involved in buying stocks, mutual funds. Okay. Um, on June 26, 2002, in a commentary to the uh, NRO talk, uh, titled, Taking Back the Market by Force, Kudlow called the United States... To a, called for the United States to attack Iraq because of lack of decisive follow-through in the global war on terrorism is the single biggest problem facing the stock market on, and the nation today. Well, we're looking at this one in hindsight, obviously, now looking at what the Iraq war turned into, but to start a war basically just to help out the stock market didn't make a lot of sense. Well, I think, um, remember, June 26 is like uh, nine months after 9-11. Right. And I don't think we had attacked as of yet. No. I would say it's it is a problem, but I don't think I don't know if it's one of the biggest problems. Kudlow was one of 250 economic experts to sign an open letter dated February 12, 2003, endorsing George W. Bush's policies on economic growth and jobs. Okay, no worries. I don't have any worry there. One strike against him, Kudlow firmly denied that the United States would enter a recession in 2007, or that it was in the midst of a recession early to mid 2008. In December 2007, he wrote, The recession debate is over. It's not going to happen. Time to move on. At a bare minimum, we're looking at Goldilocks 2.0, and that's at a minimum, and I think that means it's a fantasy. The Bush boom is alive and well. It's finishing up its sixth splendid year with many more years to come. Well, it's hard for me to fault somebody like that on that particular issue because who would have known, right? I mean, what you obviously saw in the movie The Big Short, nobody would have predicted this massive, uh, you know, housing bubble crash that actually had, or at least few people predicted it, um, but most people didn't. So that was one of those things that unless you had really good, solid information, you wouldn't have seen this thing coming. I would agree. Um, well, I wouldn't agree. Mm, okay. I think, I think uh, and especially if those of you that know Bruce Norris on this, uh, on this station... Um, that has a has a show. Um, Bruce Norris was was uh, predicting the California countdown and basically the whole national countdown. And I think a lot of people were predicting a, a bubble was going to burst and that subprime was going to explode in everybody's face. And I think uh, um, Alan Greenspan had said he was concerned about the holdings of Fannie Mae and how much how much uh, the quality of their of their uh, of their portfolio was. And there was a lot of people that predicted it. And as we saw in the movie Big Short, there was a lot of people that were denying it because they didn't want people to panic. Mm. Um, I'm not saying that that's what he did, but maybe he was blind to it. Maybe he's listening to the wrong people. Maybe he just wasn't that involved in the mortgage industry because I think being involved in the mortgage industry, you could see what was about to happen. Mm. Although I didn't catch on right away. I mean, I I, I knew it was gonna I knew it was gonna plateau and the and the, and the values would probably come down. It was uh, it was uh, shortly before it happened that um, actually I I was kind of ashamed myself ashamed of myself when I went to the Bruce Norris thing. How come I didn't see this? And Bruce Norris, I was just uh, uh, pointing out some some data and and some similarities of what had happened in the past and what happens and predicted no short sales and the, although he he did say that. He thought the values from 2005, end of 2005, the end of 2010 would drop 20%. I think he meant to say 
I think he was he was right it was going to happen. I don't think he was right. I think it actually went down to 20%, actually dropped 80%. Um well yeah, it was pretty obvious to a lot a lot of people once you once you took a look at it. Um so I don't know. I don't know about that. 2016, Kudlow endorsed Donald Trump and defended Trump's plans to build a wall along the border with Mexico and prevent terrorists from entering the United States. He advocated for the conservative unity in the election and suggested his fellow conservatives conservatives should stop criticizing Trump and instead help him be a stronger candidate. I'm all down with that. Makes sense. So uh, let's see. Uh, then Trump came to California this week, meeting with Department of Homeland Security officials to look at prototypes of the border wall. There were eight prototypes by six companies. I saw pictures of them. I didn't see any that looked like the Great Wall of China, which is what I think we should build. Um, I don't know that any of them will withstand a car crash at 50 miles an hour, but maybe they will. I didn't see them in person, but um, I have my I have my opinions. And uh, here's President Trump in San Diego with the Border Patrol agent who explained to him that a small wall erected in the 90s helped to revitalize an entire community at the border because it reestablished law and order. This is one of the sections where we have double fencing. You have a board, actually right. triple fencing. You have a wall here, you have bollards. Right. And again, it's outdated materials, but it proved the concept. But sir, the economic driver of this outlet mall that was built after we reestablished law and order in San Diego sector, and right behind that's over 500 brand new homes where people have felt so safe near the border, they've moved back in. But that's only because the U.S. Border Patrol reestablished law and order. So they reestablished law and order in San Diego when they put up a wall. And it's not a superior wall, it's an inferior wall, but it's a wall. And you actually use the term reestablished law and order. Yes, sir. You hear it, folks. I mean, say what you want. This is life. These are the facts of life. That's incredible. These are the facts of life, and just the fact that they have a wall up there makes it easier for a border patrol agent to patrol a larger area because it's they're going to have to be out in the plain sight when they come over it or under it. It's going to be easier for them, to, and it's going to just slow them down. You know, if there's one of the key issues that swung a lot of Democrats over to Trump's side was the issue of immigration and border security. There is absolutely no excuse for open borders, none whatsoever. And I scratch my head all the time trying to understand why is it the Democrats would want open borders, unsecured borders. And the only thing that I come back to is I guess they want the votes. Other than that, though, the security, what, what this has cost our, our nation in terms of crime, incarceration fees, education fees, uh, medical costs, it, it's astronomical. There's just no excuse why this has been open for as long as it has been. No, it, it, and it isn't. And, and while we're on subject of uh, wanting the votes, did you hear that Governor, uh, uh, Governor uh, Moonbeam uh, apparently uh, approved uh, illegal alien being nominated to some. What was that? What was the position she was nominated to? We we actually it's a, actually against federal law to hire an illegal alien to sit on some legal council for the state of California. Aren't aren't we proud? Aren't we proud Californians today? Um, and I know some people go, well, why are you doing that? She's a lawyer and she's smart and she's done all this stuff. How is she able to do that if she's illegal? How do you pass the bar if you're illegal? I don't know. I, I don't understand. That. Was there any qualified American citizens for that position? That's my question. Uh, I don't. I don't know. But you know, there's. Why are we giving jobs to people from out of this country? We want Ed? someone. We want someone to give a an opinion that actually knows about coming across the border illegally. Okay. Because she came across when she's fourteen. I see. So it's not exactly being a kid. You she's know. a dreamer, Ed. She is a dreamer. She's mm. a registered DACA person. Nice. But DACA expired March fifth, didn't it? Thought so. And eh, who knows? I guess there's some people that 
there are some uh, judges that stop that. So anyway, the president's trip to, to uh, California concluded with a stop at Marine Corps Air Station in Miramar near San Diego. And I will tell you that one of my guys that runs our Temecula office was was driving from San Diego to Temecula. And he said, hey, I just passed up. I know you like I passed passed by passed by uh, the, the Marine base here and Air Force One is sitting out there. And I go, take a picture of it. Send it to me. He goes, nah, I'm all, you can't really see the whole thing, you know, from where I'm at now. And he's on the freeway and all that stuff. But little, uh, <coughs> little personal story in there. So anyway, uh, so while he's at Miramar in San Diego, he spoke to a thousand service members. Listen to his comments. Your service has been extraordinary. We won't let up until ISIS is completely destroyed. ISIS never thought this would happen. They never got hit like this. We took off the gloves. In one year, we did more damage to ISIS than other administration, a certain other administration did in many years. What administration is he talking about, Ed? Um, I'm I'm thinking Obama. Truman? Yeah. Okay. Could have been could have been Lincoln, but All right. I'm, but I'm thinking Obama. Okay, I'm thinking because right. I don't know that ISIS was around in the you know 1860s. <laughs> um, it seems like they were. Uh, I don't think they were around in in Bush's Bush's era. I think they were created because uh, Obama pulled everybody out of Iraq. Created that little power vacuum thing going on there. Mm-hmm. Mm. Was was like uh, we talked about last week. Was that giant sucking sound? Except for instead of the jobs going to Mexico, this was. Uh, uh, all the bad guys sucking into Iraq where we used to be, and it was not safe for the terrorists to go. Now they just opened up a place, and the terrorists all went there. So now we're uh, kicking their butts all over the place. And uh, you know what? America first. I don't care about those uh, terrorists. Get rid of them. Kill them. Make them go away. <laughs> That's pretty harsh, Ed. Make them go away. You know, and we were going to talk about uh, thinking of making them go away. We are going to talk about Kim, jo- Kim Jong-un. Um, were we going to talk about that before when we talked about Trump being uh, in favor of talking about him, talking to him. I don't know that he's in favor of talking to him. I think he, I think he can't really um, turn that down when, when the South Koreans said, "Hey, the Kim Jong Un wants to talk to Trump." Well, yeah, and obviously, I mean, to me, it'd be a great pay per view event. What do you think? You know, put it on pay per view, put him in a ring. I think that'd be great. I think, I think, uh, number one, I don't think they can talk this out because I don't think anything that that they say. I don't think anything Kim Jong Un would say. Uh, you could count on. I don't think you get a good deal from a bad guy, and he's a bad guy. And uh, I think this is just my opinion. I'm probably going to start a start something mean going on, but I think they should bring everybody over, bring uh, Kim Jong Un and his entourage over here, and then just you know create recreate a scene from Goodfellas. I, you know, he came <laughs> in. I don't know where he went. He just disappeared. We haven't seen him since. So we've got bad news and we've got good news. The bad the bad news is we can't seem to find Kim Jong Un anywhere. The good news is all you people in North Korea are free. Exactly. We go over there. Part A. Oh, by the way, uh, we don't know where he went, <laughs> but his plane is still here and there's no, he's nowhere to be found. Mm. Uh, we're going to look for him. But meanwhile, you guys. He got you, lost. You guys just uh, enjoy yourselves and enjoy your freedom. So I think that would be good. But that's just my idea. I could be wrong. It's rare, but it happens. So uh, then here's the, here's the biggest and funniest <laughs> and, and most uh, entertaining news of the week that I think we're going to have the most fun with. We saved it for last. Hillary Clinton went to India last week. 
And when she was done falling down a flight of stairs... I've fallen, and I can't get up! <laughs> that was Hillary. Yeah, it sounded just like her. Exactly. And uh, well, once she's done, and if you've seen the, the videos on YouTube, if you haven't seen them, go on YouTube and just put Hillary falls downstairs. And actually, you have to sort out which one, because she's wearing kind of a, a India... I don't know what you call that outfit, but she's wearing wearing one of those. It looked kind of like a carpet of some sort, like like some old drapes from my grandma's house. Is that what they call a serape? Whatever. I don't know. I don't know what it what it is. But anyway, mm. she's she's wearing some uh, some Indian uh, lady's outfit. It's supposed to cover up the fact that Hillary's fat. <laughs> um, so just in case you didn't know, Hillary's fat. <laughs> um, but uh, but before she before while well, she's. When she's done falling downstairs, she's given speeches to promote her book and make more excuses for her loss in 2016. First, though, she wanted the people of India to know that she won the only states that matter to her. I won the places that are optimistic, diverse, dynamic, moving forward. And his whole campaign, Make America Great Again, was looking backwards. You know, you didn't like black people getting rights. You don't like women, you know, getting jobs. You don't want to, you know, see that Indian American succeeding more than you are. Whatever your problem is, I'm going to solve it. Yeah, I like how she threw in that Indian in there, just just to make it a little bit more personal. I guess my question is, do the people of India really care about all this? Do you, th- do you think the people of India, you know, you think of... Uh... You think of the beginning of the movie uh, 2016 and how how that dude, you know, when they're talking to Dinesh D'Souza, man, I, I, I love the Indian stuff, man, that uh, that in, enlightenment stuff, man. I want to go to, and, you know, Dinesh D'Souza, well, what is it about India that you like? Is it the arranged marriages? It's the, uh, you know, the endowments you want to, or the, you know, what what is it about that India that you, oh, man, did you just find yourself over there, dude? So, uh well, I hope they didn't pay money to hear her speak. I mean, there's a lot of people in this room. Which there, kinda, there, thought, there's just a lot of a lot of people that, you know, she's making sound bites about he doesn't want black people to succeed. I don't think there's any evidence of that. I just can't imagine people in India care about any of this stuff. I would think they'd be more interested in, I don't know, like where the latest 7-Eleven franchises are going up. Something that might impact them. Thank you. Come again. <laughs> so, uh, so where, where were we? So, uh, so she's over there and she's. She's uh she's babbling and making making stupid decisions, and I don't know if you remember over the summer we listed uh, all the things Hillary has blamed her loss on for the past year, the FBI, James Comey, the Russians, low information voters, bad polling, fake news, content farms in Macedonia. Well, she just added a couple more to the list. If people were looking for the reality TV campaign, maybe I should have given them more entertainment. We do not do well with white men, and we don't do well with married white women. Um, and part of that is a an identification with the Republican Party uh, and a, uh, a a sort of ongoing pressure uh, to uh, vote the way that your husband, your boss, uh, your son, whoever uh, believes you should. You know, she's got a good point there, Ed. If my wife doesn't vote the way I tell her to, I pull out the witchet stick and let her have it. Yeah, yeah. I have, I have my, I have my, you know, did, did Maria get to go into one of those, uh, one of those, uh, private voting booths? Well, yeah, I guess it was, but I still asked her when she got done, if she did the right thing. And if not, you know, 
And I let her have it. And she said yes. That's right. And do you know what the right thing was in her mind? Well, I didn't ask her that, you know. So? If so, you vote R, you're going to get it. <laughs> I, have, I, have a, I have a feeling that, uh, you know what, this is, this, is my, this is what Hillary Clinton doesn't understand because basically her, her idea of marrying Bill Clinton was, hey, I don't have any charisma. If I want to do anything in politics, I got to... I got to glue myself to this guy who's a serial sex addict and, uh, and, but he's, he's got so much charisma, you know, he's got, you know, he's, he's so cool. He could get changed for an ice cube. And, uh, uh, and I think how normal people, how normal, how normal things work is people are attracted to each other by similar things that they, that they have in common. And one of those, one of the, I mean, you're, you're initially attracted to someone for how they look, you know, how, how your wife looks in a pair of tight jeans. And, uh, but after that first date, you guys have to talk and you have to have conversation and you don't actually get married to the person just because of how those jeans fit. You get married to, to them because you can have a conversation and, you know, spend time together. And, and I think, being politically in the on the same on the same wavelength is important. No, you're right, and certainly, I mean, you, you when you marry someone, you influence each other. When, and I told you this off the air, but when my wife and I married, we were both Democrats, right? I know it sounds kind of crazy for people out there to understand this. I mean, I don't even like wearing progressive glasses anymore. I'm so far to the right, but you know, you influence each other politically. Um, you know, social as as you as you become parents together. Uh, as I became a small business owner, had to run a business. My 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 idea has changed and, and my political viewpoints obviously changed as well. Um, so yeah, no, for sure. I mean, that's, that's going to happen. And it's true that, you know, most married women that are married who also tend to be a little happier tend to vote Republican. Uh, yeah, because, uh, similar, similar kind of, uh, similar kind of things. And, uh, let me, uh, let me show you how people's, people's, uh, ideas evolve. I talked uh, last week about a, about a couple that I know that we talk very often about, uh, husband and wife between the two of them. They're not actually married, but they're uh, cohabitating. They're uh, probably considered common law husband and wife. But um, between the two of them, they paid in a total of $38 and uh, to the IRS, and they got $11,000 back. Um, I kind of guilted uh, guilted this guy into going to see my tax guy and uh, that, hey, you know what, is this right? Is this... I mean, he showed him to me because we're trying to qualify him to buy a house and... and uh, Hey, is this right? And he went. He went and saw what what he actually did. Did everything honest, and he has to pay ten thousand dollars in in taxes. Well, he actually has to pay ten thousand after considering they already got eleven thousand dollars back, but they don't file together because they're not actually married. And I said, so so what you're saying is you got twenty six hundred dollars back. Now you got to pay ten thousand, so you would have had to pay seventy five hundred. So now, and I used I used just used the ten thousand, and I said, hey, so so now that you've done that. Compare compare you and and your and your spousal equivalent. You made fifty or sixty thousand dollars, and you had to pay ten thousand dollars in. So you're paying eighteen twenty thousand twenty percent of your income back in taxes. Versus your spousal equivalent uh, made eighteen thousand, and she got eighty five hundred dollars back. So essentially, the government took you from sixty down to fifty, and the government took her from eighteen to twenty seven. Do you think that's fair? Does that kind of make you mad? He goes, well, I said, aside from the fact that she, this is this is your wife kind of person because uh, they're not married. 
But he goes, oh, it makes me mad at the law because that's not really fair. I said, I'm not taxing you to get mad at your mad at your woman because she's just following the law. But does this tax system seem fair to you? He said, uh, no, absolutely not. So I hope uh, Trump's phase two is a, a national sales tax because I happen to ask, hey, uh, what is your because they have six kids between them. And I say, hey, what is your what is your uh, I'm going to just call her your wife. What's your wife's baby daddy do besides drugs? And he said nothing. <laughs> you didn't say that. Yeah, I did. Oh. And uh, and he said he said nothing because he's got so much back child support that if he takes a regular job that they're just going to take all his pay anyway. He said, so look, if we had national sales tax, you know, the if the if the government is subsidized, subsidizing her because she's got four kids and she's uh, and she's not getting any child support, at least the government would be collecting some taxes from this guy because he would have to be spending money. He could get a job and be a productive, productive person. And we'll collect some tax from anyway. So uh, <clears throat> that's just some some more things for you guys to think about as as this uh, country uh, evolves. But you know, it comes to uh, I want, we had one more clip here on uh, Hillary Clinton. Even her campaign manager uh, from 2008, Patty Solis Doyle, is embarrassed for her former boss. Let's play her uh, her comments. This was bad. Uh, you know, I can't I can't sugarcoat it. Uh, she was wrong, and clearly, it's not helpful uh, to Democrats uh, going into the midterms, and certainly not going into 2020. She's put herself in a position where uh, Democrats are going to have to distance themselves from these remarks and distance themselves from her, particularly those Democrats that uh, are running in the states that Donald Trump won, like Ohio and Pennsylvania, yeah. and. Wisconsin and Michigan. You know, the funny thing is, you remember I, I filled in for you and I had the top 10 biggest morons and Hillary was on that list. Basically, I think she's doing us a favor by hanging around because uh, nobody wants to hear what this lady has to say. Exactly. We're almost out of time, but coming up in two weeks, you're going to be back in here in the studio with yeah. me. And we're going to have a special guest. Yep. Katie Hopkins. Absolutely. And for those of you who don't know who Katie Hopkins is, this week, YouTube, search her on YouTube. She is one outspoken British lady. And you will love her. I'm already. I've. I didn't know who she was until you met her, and yeah, we started. Back. Yeah. We started looking at her. So anyway, we're out of time for uh, this episode of the main event. Scott, thanks for joining me, and thanks for uh, bringing Katie Hopkins uh, uh, to us. That we will be talking to her in two weeks. And uh, my name's Ed Hoffman. I'll be back with you next week. The content in this program is not intended to be legal advice. The views expressed are those of Ed Hoffman and his invited guests, and do not necessarily reflect the views or policies of Seal Capital Corporation. WCC is licensed by the California Bureau of Real Estate Broker License Number 0114747 and California Finance Lenders License Number 603K610. Also licensed in Arizona by the Arizona Department of Financial Institutions. MB Number 096199.